You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. And yes, the weeks seem to go by so fast. We are already to your week eight pregame show, Las Vegas Raiders, coming to First Energy Sunday, one o'clock kickoff. Jeff Lloyd, along with Sports Illustrated's Pete Smith, take you guys along for the ride. And you guys know the drill for pregame shows. We'll do Browns offense versus Raiders defense, Browns defense versus Raiders offense. Pick some key players uh, on either side of the ball for Cleveland um, to hopefully pull out a victory here on Sunday. Your Locked on Browns pregame show is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It is made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Pete, and it, it, it's crazy. Um, you know, it just goes by so fast. And here we are, obviously, you know, already, you know, covering, you know, week eight. Uh, Browns kicking off Sunday, one o'clock. Uh, offensive side of the ball, I guess, is where we start. Um, first, initially, I'm just looking at this. Um, I think the Raiders are kind of in a similar position to where the Browns are. I think they have at least, you know, some feeling about what they have going on offensively. Um, still trying to figure out the defensive side of the ball. The Raiders give up a ton of points. Um, but as always, Pete, it begins and ends and starts, <laughs> whatever, with six. This looks to be, you know, and look, you know, obviously Odell no longer part of this equation. But this looks to be where hopefully Baker can string together maybe a second strong effort for himself after some rocky weeks because this Raiders secondary, um, right, and right now they're getting no pass rush, seven sacks on the season to put it in perspective. Miles Garrett has nine. So you're, you, it tells you all you need to know about the Raiders and the pass rush. Pete, for Baker, it looks the opportunities are there. And just to keep in mind, you know, weather permitting, there could be weather issues, you know, anywhere all over the country this weekend as you're getting one of your worst weather weekends of the season in the NFL. But go ahead, Pete. Well, uh, the Raiders have a higher pressure rate than the Browns do, which is really depressing. Uh, <laughs> the, it's, uh, it's Miles Garrett, Sheldon Richardson, and then you have this drop-off where you're not getting much from anybody else. I think Olivier Vernon's third. Um, that's of concern. Uh, but, yeah, I don't think – their pass rush is too big of a threat unless there's like a major breakdown. Um, so Baker Mayfield should have time uh, to make throws. I mean, they, they, you know, uh, certainly you want to see him continue building off what he did. The thing that's sort of like is whether you want to call it a concern or just something to keep in mind, the Bengals are also awful when it comes to pressure rate and that, that type of stuff. So, um, you know, you don't want to take anything away from what Mayfield did. Obviously they needed every yard and every point he was able to generate. Um, but these two games certainly uh, help in terms of allowing him to sort of have time to make throws. Um, I think he still tends to get the ball out pretty quickly, but he doesn't have much to worry about in terms of that, that pressure. Uh, Max Crosby is a nice player. I think he's going to be really good. Cleveland Farrell statistically sucks. He's actually pretty good on tape. Maurice Hurst is 
pretty interesting. He's, he's got like a little Olivier Vernon thing going to him, uh, Farrell. It's like he does like, you know, I, I he'll never, he'll never warrant where he was drafted. Um, but he's a little bit more technically sound that he is splashy, so to speak. But go ahead. But uh, I think the Browns have the advantage here. I mean, you know, I'm Chris Harbour, not great. Uh, but uh, I think the Browns have a, a notable advantage up on the tackles um, and getting out on the edge. Um, I don't think uh, they have, you know, they, they, I think they're hoping to get Carl Nassim back and that might sort of help. But I think the Browns can potentially um, get get to that off tackle outside perimeter stuff with Cream Hunt, that outside zone stuff, and I think that can be really good for them. Some counter uh, stuff like that, because I think that's probably where Kareem Hunt is at his best is being able to sort of give get a two way go on where he wants to go with the ball. Sure. Uh, so I think that helps, and then obviously everything sort of comes off that in terms of the play action uh especially off outside zone you can do those uh those that long stretch play action stuff and even though the browns don't have you know much speed right now uh losing beckham really hurts in that area uh i think when it comes to sort of forcing teams to defend horizontally that could be where the Browns create a nice amount of space for Baker Mayfield to work, some nice windows and stuff like that, where they can sort of create problems for the Raiders. Because, you know, Nick Kwiatkowski's having a really nice season. I think part of that is because the Raiders are better on the interior than they are on the edges. Um, and he's got some protection. John, Jonathan Hankins is, you know, doesn't play a ton, but when he's in there, he's good. Uh, Maurice Hurst is pretty good. Malik Collins is eh. But uh, their outside backers suck uh, right now anyway. The, the Corey Littleton, who is a huge free agent signing, I think they give him something like $17 million a year, something insane. He's doing nothing. Um, and the, I think that becomes an area where the Browns can sort of force them to keep uh, keep trying to stop the run and then take advantage of them in that intermediate passing uh, area. Uh, which is what they did against the Bengals. Uh, Harrison Bryant had a bunch of catches in that area of the field. I think David Njoku, obviously, uh, with knowing ahead of time that Austin Hooper is likely out, that uh, that may create some opportunities for him to to make more plays as well. I think, and and this is where it's going to be interesting um, as far as, you know, how Coach Stefanski and the offense handle this but also how it's, you know, handled, you know, by the Raiders defense. I mean, obviously, Pete, you know, key to the Browns, a lot of it is the run game. But, I mean, you're looking at the pass game here, and now you think there's no Austin Hooper on the field. Um, there's obviously not going to be any Odell Beckham Jr. on the field anytime soon. You wonder exactly, you know, what does Las Vegas do to them? Do you go vanilla early till maybe, you know, you start picking up some, as far as what they're trying to do on the passing game or who they're trying to feature or where the Browns themselves feel the mismatches are um, you know, obviously we're going to see a ton of Rashard Higgins more. Um, I'm assuming Donovan Peoples-Jones, maybe Carter, Cadero Hodge are going to get their opportunities as both, you know, at, with the third receiver, a lot of it's asked from the blocking standpoint, um, you know, both, uh, you know, have the speed, have the possibility, the potential to get deep because you're going to need some way to maybe challenge vertically here or there, but it's going to be interesting how, you know, a, the Browns handle this, but even more the Raiders just because, you know, and you can't even base what you saw Sunday against the Bengals because, you know, the Browns were down. They had no choice but to, you know, basically toss the pill everywhere. I mean, I guess you focus with maybe trying to do whatever you can 
to make sure Hunt doesn't have a big day. But after that, I mean, you don't know really essentially where it's going to come from, so to speak. Sure. I mean, you're you're caught trying to stop the Browns sort of reinventing themselves on the fly uh, with Richard Higgins presumably taking the lion's share of snaps that were uh, Beckham had. Um, they, you know, that's not you know the, the having a top two of Jarvis Landry and Richard Higgins is not fast. So you're looking for guys like Hodge. So you're looking at four or five. You're looking at four or five, five forty on a good day. Yeah, I mean, if Kadero Hodge can stretch the field a little bit, maybe they'll use more Donovan Peoples-Jones. That's why you know going sort of a vertical or uh, more of a horizontal passing game and just stretching them out may be worthwhile. Or trying to use guys like Najoku uh, to stretch the field with their size. And then obviously, I think they should continue to employ. Kareem Hunt to just stretch them out. But having said that, I mean, you know, with the amount of comfort that Mayfield clearly has with with Higgins, it wouldn't be a, a huge surprise to see them suddenly throw the ball around a little bit more and try to, you know, come out with that to sort of loosen up uh, the running game a little bit in that, you know, Kareem Hunt doesn't have a 100-yard game with the Browns yet. He had like 70-some last uh, against the Bengals and got over a hundred total yards with the, with the receiving part of the game. But you know, whether it's screens or some of the stuff that uh, those quick passes, it wouldn't surprise me if they try to get the Raiders going with that first and then try to pound the ball a little bit with hunt. I think obviously until they get Nick Chubb back, they, they have to get more out of uh, running the ball than they are right now. Uh, and that's, I think that becomes a big focus for them. Uh, it's no doubt. And even where you brought up, you know, as far as the screen game, uh, the one where, um, you know, Hunt didn't catch it early in the game, uh, that play was there for a minimum of 20 yards. Um, and with Hunt on the field, obviously, you know, it's not so much more of a tell. I mean, you know, they'll throw the ball to Nick Chubb, but not certainly to the degree that they will with Kareem Hunt. So it gives you more versatility as what you have is, you know, what the defense supposedly is looking for. And, you know, look, Harrison Bryant, David Njoku, Richard Higgins, all of them to the credit last week all stepped up in the opportunities they were given big, big, crucial opportunities all had their hand in it. And what turned out obviously to be a, you know, tremendous day um, and tremendous turnaround uh, of a victory. And for one uh, quarterback Baker Mayfield, we're going to flip the script here. We'll get to the Browns defense versus this Las Vegas. O, which has found a way to do some things so far um, as we continue to roll on through here on your Friday, pregame, Locked on Browns. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. I tell you guys all the time, that 12-ounce jolt of caffeine is one I love and need before kickoff to carry me through any Sunday, Thursday night, and whatever primetime games. But that's where, to where we were to this point. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It is made for those who watch the game. Pepsi, made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. 
Uh, until we actually hear that everything's okay tomorrow, Pete, and I believe we all, you know, are anticipating everything's going to be okay. And if anybody deserved a couple of days off of practice, it's certainly number 95. Um, but it, until you hear it for official, it's certainly in the back of your head. You're like, oh, man, I, I couldn't imagine what this would be like without number 95. You look at the Raiders, though. Um, you know, Derek Carr is completing 72% of his passes. Josh Jacobs is not running with uh, the success that he was last year at 34 Yards per uh, yards per carry. Um, Henry Ruggs is something they've added to this offense. There's times where you know what he can do has helped them. Um, you know, for where he was drafted, I, I don't think you know you're getting the return on the investment thus far. Um, the re- receiving core, a mixed bag of nuts. Nelson Aguilar's had his moments, but Nelson Aguilar has always been a guy who's dropped a lot of balls in this league. Um, they have Hunter Renfro, you know, who spent you know more than a decade down at Clemson. Um, for you know, they're moving the chain duties. Um, but you really look at this offense and, you know, the one player for me that just stands out is just Darren Waller. Um, he's literally, he's built like a tight end. He's got running back. He's got running back wide receiver athleticism. He's great in the open field and they feature the living daylights out of him. He's a problem because he is a big, big yard after catch guy. And these type of guys, Browns have had some issues with this year. Well, uh, Derek Carr is is sort of playing like everybody thought capable, or at least I thought capable. Um, he's really talented. Um, every you know every game he makes a couple of head scratching decisions that sort of leave you wondering what the hell he's doing. But when he's going, his accuracy is impeccable, and he can chuck it uh, down the field. So he's it's you know, 72% of your passes is incredible. Uh, and then he's, he's throwing the ball down the field. Well, um, it all starts with Darren Waller. Um, if you don't stop him, they're going to kill you. And then if you devote extra resources to stopping uh, Darren Waller, you now end up with one single coverage or less resources to stop the Nelson Aguilar's uh, and some of those other webs and Nelson Aguilar is playing out of his mind right now. He has one drop this year. Um, he's catching the ball really well. He's only uh, caught, I think 15 passes overall, but he's averaging almost 20 yards of reception and he's got four touchdowns already. Uh, they've played, you know, they've played six games, so he's really good. He's completely uh, the inverse of what uh, he was like in Philly where a guy uh, you know, famously after catching a child uh, being thrown from a burning building, took a shot at him that he caught it unlike Nelson Aguilar. So, you know, that's how bad it was in Philly, but he's been really good uh, with the Raiders and he is a deep threat and he does have deep speed and they force you to cover every inch of the field. And Henry Ruggs is fine. Um, you know, obviously they want him to be a deep speed threat um and and certainly when he's out there he he is that just pure track guy he's got one big catch for 72 yards but overall he's only got eight catches on the year so far but the the thing that is you now have probably spent two guys hopefully um trying to stop darren waller you've got these guys who can go down the field the raiders take a bunch of shots and it just leaves the underneath routes and middle of the field exposed uh to guys like hunter renfro who is you know not fast not big not strong but he's quick and he knows how to get open and he he catches the ball he can 
uh, move the chains a little bit. And then Josh Jacobs is arguably a bit more threatening receiver right now than he is a running back. Uh, and then they have Jalen Richard, who they sneak out of the backfield every so often to catch passes. Oh, so, yes. so they 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 just they force you to cover so much ground that if you make a mistake, um, then they can kill you for it. And the problem is that if you're playing that cover three, you may be able to sort of stop uh, those guys from from beating you deep. But you're so far down the field. And you're trying to stop Darren Waller that at some point one of these linebackers is going to have, you know, that's not Malcolm Smith is going to have to be able to cover, you know, a a Josh Jacobs, a Jalen Richard or something, not get caught in the wrong spot and be able to make those plays. And that's not something that this group has done. So that is not. That I mean, that's a that's a difficult thing to sort of defend, and that's sort of the Raiders' mentality right now. Is defend we make you defend every inch of the every inch of the field, and if you don't, uh, you're going to get beat. Uh, you you know they they have the ability to go instant offense. They have the ability to get those deep balls that are problematic on you, uh, but uh, they they have that that the you know sort of dump off easy play stuff that's there. It's going to seem like. It's going to drive fan, you know fans watching nuts because they're going to wonder how are these guys wide open because there's just nobody left. So that is that's difficult. Um, offensive line wise, they're enormous. Um, Rodney Hudson is not a big guy. He's arguably undersized for center. But after that, you know it's unclear if they're going to get Trent Brown back this week. But if they do, he's you know six eight. He's a know, hotel. <laughs> he's three hundred sixty pounds. You know three fifty on a good day. Uh, and they've got Colton Miller, who's three ten, six seven. Then their their guards are all over three hundred twenty pounds, so they're just physically big. And the worry you have isn't so much about them running in the first half; it's if the Raiders are able to get a lead, and then you start getting tired out, that they can just basically lean on you. And Josh Jacobs is going to get three to four yards, and they only have to do that a couple times to get a new set of downs, and then they can sort of salt the game away. So. You know, in the same way that the Raiders' defense is really bad and has a bunch of areas that are super vulnerable, obviously the Browns haven't have yet to stop anyone, and the Raiders are are well equipped to just keep beating up on them. You're hoping that your defensive line is going to give more than it did last week. That maybe the bye week sort of looks like a you know a, almost like a finish line in that sense. That they're going to be able to get two weeks of rest, and you don't you know it seems like. Everyone who's not Miles Garrett is in some state of disrepair in terms of health, but they need to get more than Miles Garrett there. And it's not mm-hmm. easy because they are so big and wide that they, you know, they can basically stand there hold hand. So, you know, that's that's sort of where this game is on on that side of the ball. It's got a big challenge for the Browns on defense. It is. And, um, you know, if anybody, I know the, the Raiders Chiefs game, you know, a couple of weeks ago was nationally televised. And this Raiders offense took control, you know, basically late in the first half. And, you know, it wasn't really a game for the most part in the second half. Um, they can move the ball. Um, you know, as Pete described the passing game, it, it almost gets, gives you like a feel of like, a, you know, a, a, you know, death from a thousand paper cuts. And then all of a sudden they'll kill you with a deep shot. Um, so you got to be patient. And look, you know, um, <clears throat> I talked about it last night on the crossover episode with Q from uh, from Lockdown Raiders and you know, the injuries, this, that, and the other thing, you know, look, none of this is excuses anymore, man. You're paid to tackle people. You got to be in position. You got to break down and you got to get people to the ground. Completions are going to happen. 
five, six, ten yards after a completion. That's where the issue is. You can under, you understand guys are going to get open. Guys are going to get passes. They've just got to be a much, much better functionally tackling team. And that's been an issue. Um, and, you know, it certainly could rear its ugly head. And, look, the Browns don't want to be, continue to be playing at this, you know, roller coaster pace of, you know, games, you know, in the 30s, you know, maybe decided by the last drive. Um, and I agree with you 100%. Um, and everybody, you know, like I know because a lot of the you know, mock drafts are coming out, da, 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 and everybody, well, why not a linebacker? Oh, well, why not a safety? Why not a cornerback? Because this defensive line right now is supposed to be doing more than they are. It's fantastic that Miles Garrett is playing at a defensive player of the year pace. This shouldn't be a one-man show. And for the last couple of weeks, it really feels like it's been a one-man show. Um, you know, Sheldon Richardson, you know, you get your splash plays. Um, you know, but the rest, I mean, they really felt they were going to get more production out of this defensive line, which was probably going to augment some of the issues at linebacker, some of the issues at secondary. And, you know, right now they're, they're not getting it other than Miles Garrett. And as great as he is, um, and you see this with the Rams from Aaron Donald time to time, um, if you really work hard, uh, you know, maybe you can find a way to try to essentially, you know, eliminate, eliminate a certain player from, not, you know, breathing, but from destroying you, um, you know, and it's, you know, and Miles was sacked in six straight games. You got to wonder when that, you know, is going to maybe, you know, come to pass where, you know, somebody's going to have his number or just overcommit so much and make somebody else beat somebody, which is certainly what I would do with this team right now because the rest of this defensive line, uh, you know, they just haven't lived up to the early expectations that they showed in this season. We're going to flip it up here. We're going to highlight a couple of players on offense and defense that will be key for the Browns here this week if they are to be victorious Sunday at home versus, and I miss Chris Berman because I'd love to hear the modern day version of what would be the Las Vegas Raiders. Breakthrough wall, whether it's a mental or physical wall, break through it with go every day, easy to take in one and a half ounce packages. Put it in your briefcase for the most uh, focused presentation ever, or put it in your pocket to get through the day. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. Three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint. How does Built Go work so well? Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein. Collagen protein is fast absorbing, so it gets into my system fast. Plus, it is very easy on the stomach. Built Go is loaded with good stuff to ignite my work. Beta alanine, B3, Honey and a kick of caffeine. Built Go then kicks to keep me going strong. B6, B12, 10,000% of your daily percent. Collagen protein, uh, collagen promotes joint, soft tissues, hair, and skin health. This stuff literally makes you look better. Visit BuiltGo.com. Use the promo code LOCKED, all caps, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use the promo code LOCKED. For 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Pete, we've discussed, and obviously, the biggest uh, problem with this offense is Darren Waller. Um, so now, what do you do? You got to think, is this some sort of combination of Malcolm Smith, Ronnie Harrison? Hey, 89, uh, just get it done, guys. And, or if anything... Just don't let him ruin our day. Well, to me, I think it starts with uh, Harrison, Rodney, Ronnie Harrison. Uh, 
I think he becomes the guy who's sort of responsible for him, but I'm certainly hoping that they do some things like chip and jam and, you know, uh, maybe do some under under over where they have a linebacker underneath trying to take that away. But I have no issue largely basically using two guys to, to try to cover him as much as possible. If, if Harrison can do it himself, you know, then the Browns are better than I think they are. But, uh, yeah, I think you have to take him away. I think you have to try to limit him as much as possible. Uh, the Raiders have not won every game where he has, has gone off, but they have basically lost every game they ha- he hasn't. So, you know, that becomes a real challenge for him. The Patriots were able to sort of take, take him away a little bit, and that was a game uh, the Raiders uh, failed to win. And I think that is going to be huge. Uh, you know, when he gets going – they can just put him all over the formation. He's 6'6", 255 pounds, and he and he can move well. And those are all really difficult things to sort of stop. So Harrison certainly has the most size in the equation. I mean, Carl Joseph, they could throw him out there too. But whether it's Sione Takitaki basically just jamming him and carrying him as much as he can or, or something along those lines, I don't really care. But I think as you have to throw as many bodies as you can, maybe – uh, just th- mixing up the looks, but I but I think you largely have to have two two people sort of uh, monitoring him at all times. I I like the t- I like the Taki um thought because you know as we've talked about him before you know look hey forty four you've got fifteen feet of knocking this guy around and then get off him and release him and turn around and see where the ball's at. Um, you, Carl Joseph actually I didn't even think about that, but you know maybe. Maybe Carl Joseph brings something to this as a former teammate, you know, watching Darren Waller go from essentially just an, an average guy in this league uh, to last year. Um, and then, you know, now to the point where, you know, performing literally like a star, maybe there's something Carl Joseph knows, who knows, we'll see. Um, but, you know, certainly that is going to be the biggest option and whatever else goes on, you're going to have to have something. And, you know, look, if there's any recipe whatsoever, where it's Andrew Sandejo deep versus Henry Ruggs, y'all just might as well get up and grab a soda and wait for the following ensuing kickoff that's going to come. Um, Cause you certainly have to figure some things out with either Aguilar or with Henry Ruggs on the deep patterns. And look, let's stop putting Andrew Sandejo in these situations. Pete offensive side of the ball. Um, you know, you look here and look, you know, you're the question now isn't whether or not you're essentially asking guys to step up. Um, Rashard Higgins, you know, two touchdowns in the previous two games, 100-yard week last week. Is the 6-for-110 a sustainable pace? Probably not. But you can still get a nice, you know, contribution from him. Harrison Bryant, when the number's called, seems to be there. David Njoku, we'll see what that, you know, big catch late in the game you know, does for his confidence. Um, you know, three guys here, though, but you're asking them to do a little bit more here. Um, how are you looking to attack and where for you just stands out as, you know, something where you think could be a winnable situation? Um, you know, basically to find the turd. I mean, this defensive line isn't, you know, that great. Um, but where's essentially the turd on this defense? What do you want to be attacking? To me, uh, well, anyone playing in the back seven is pretty bad other than Kwiatkowski at this point. Um, Jonathan Abrams, a nice looking player. I, I I don't I don't know why teams keep drafting Clemson corners high. They are all terrible. Um, <laughs> you know I don't. I, I really like uh, the the kid uh, Mick Robertson. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the, the, they drafted out of uh, Louisiana Tech. I think he's going to be a nice player. 
he's not there yet. So other than LaMarcus Joyner, it seems like all their DBs are sort of trying to tread water as much as they can. Um, based on what the Browns have, uh, I like mesh routes. I like uh, that type of combination out of play action. Um, I think you go back to some of those sale routes that they used early in the year with Jarvis Landry and Rashard Higgins can do that. The tight ends can do that. Um, and just try to stretch them laterally and get them running. Uh, again, it, it, you know, Baker Mayfield, if you go by like where he has the highest rating of throwing the ball after Donovan Peoples Jones, it's, uh, Njoku and then Higgins. So it may be as simple as get them the ball more. Uh, and obviously I, I continue to like what Njoku can be. Um, I continue to be interested in seeing how they employ him, especially with this time. It's not like, you know, you find out Thursday that, uh, Austin Hooper needs a uh, appendectomy. You've had a whole week of this, so I'm hoping they use him more, uh, that they can get him down the seam or on some sort of wheel route that they did like against the Ravens where they can isolate him on one of their crappy defenders and they can take advantage of that stuff. Uh, so that's where I like this. And, and, you know, is six receptions for 110 likely for Richard Higgins? No, but it he's this strange player that you like can never bet against simply because he's, they've targeted him 12 times this season. He's caught 11 of them. He's got two touchdowns. He's got a bunch of yards. Like, you know, every, people laugh at me looking back on it when I said Richard Higgins was more efficient than Jarvis Landry. Well, Jarvis here we Landry. are again. He's more efficient than Jarvis Landry again. Like he's ridiculously good with Baker Mayfield. And I don't know like if, if this is some weird. It's almost variety. to the point, like if nobody else wanted Richard Higgins, he'd have to cut the check to the check to the Browns. Like, look, this just works so very well. And you know what? I have no idea what I'd be anywhere else. And it's not like they have this long, crazy history together. Um, you know, granted, they play together now over three years, and a lot of people, oh, well, that first camp, uh, that's not enough. I mean, these guys literally play together like they played high school ball, like they played college ball. And it's just weird that you have such a connection between, you know, two certain players that don't really have this long history with each other. But somehow, whatever way you want to <laughs> slice it, it works, and it works really, really well. So if you want to think of Richard Higgins or the Browns, you know, potential answer to, like, Tom Brady and Julian Edelman or, or Wes Welker or something like that. Like at some point you, you're just waiting for somebody to actually stop it or for it to stop working. And until it does, I'd say keep going to it. So I, I you know, I, I, I just keep beating on that drum until it stops working and then keep growing these tight ends because, you know, as you, you know, without, Beckham, I think you have to lean more into these tight ends with or without Hooper. And obviously when he comes back, there's all the more reason to do it. But, you know, it's tough to guard 6'5", 240 that can run. And they've got two and a half guys that can do that. So I, I would say they, they should keep uh, going with that because the Raiders don't have anybody that can guard those guys. Uh, few teams do. I mean, so that seems to be where this is going, and that may be where this offense is ultimately evolving to anyway. It's just a, may have gotten accelerated at this point. So those are the things I'd like to see, and then just continuing to use the backfield, the back out of the back backfield. Um, I, I'm i not as high as, as some people are on Kareem Hunt. I keep getting people telling me he's a top 10 back, some top five, whatever. 
I think the only way he does that is if he continues to be receiving threat. Like against the Bengals, there were times where they simply didn't account for him. I touched down. There was nobody there. Uh So, you know, that becomes another easy way to get these completions and just let Baker sort of just torture people by just finding the open man in space and letting him run around. And if it's a comfort thing with Higgins, if it's whatever, but at least for right now, you're basically saying, uh, I don't know what kind of weird voodoo is going on here, but I'm going to keep going that route. And you'd be a fool not to. I mean, you know, I'm, you do it until somebody shows that they can possibly freaking stop it. And it is just that simple. Pete, when we sit down, we fire this sucker up on Sunday, 415, 420-ish, whatever the time may be. Are the Cleveland Browns rolling into the bye week at 6-2? and two? So... I'm weirdly optimistic about this game, and I was about the Bengals last week. I thought the Browns were actually going to blow them out, and they they certainly didn't. Uh, I, I just didn't think the, the defense was going to play that poorly. I still feel good about it. Uh, I don't know, you know how well the Raiders are going to travel, although their offensive line should be well-rested because of COVID, uh, sadly. So I, I do feel good about the Browns with this. I'm totally prepared to be wrong since I'm so much better at betting against the Browns than, they, than proving me wrong. But for whatever reason, uh, you know, hopefully this this th- that game against the Bengals wasn't a mirage and, and Baker Mayfield can keep playing well. If they just get more than nothing out of the defense, I think they win this game. Um, look, uh, I did the my for folks of you haven't, um, you know, there are the uh, Google News hits, um, you know, lock on Browns. There's a one minute, five minute. Uh, you get those, you know, for the same rotation that you get the show. Um, yeah, I think I think the Browns are, are going to pull this off, and I, I am to the point of I think we are going to see more of what we saw at Baker for the last three quarters on Sunday, more of what we saw twenty eighteen, where it was Baker with the pe- the palette and the fact that you know and it, it, look I, I don't want to I'm certainly not disrespecting Odell Beckham Jr. Everybody knows how I feel about that player and the type of player he is, but I'm just wondering if this keeps Baker Mayfield in phase as far as playing the quarterback position and hit my plant foot. All right. Two to the right. One's deep, one shallow ball gone. And it, you know, and you saw a lot of the grip it and rip it Baker Mayfield. Once he hit that plant foot on Sunday in Cincinnati, uh, I'm not saying Odell was an issue here. Look, this team was um, four and two going into Sunday with him. So obviously his success, you know, was a huge part of it. I, I just think maybe that this simplifies everything. Um, you know, there are some concerns of, you know, can Higgins again, do it? Can you get more out of Harrison Bryant, David Njoku? Um, if 11 or 12 people's Jones or Hodges number is called, are they going to be able look, we haven't seen either one of them you know, do anything on a consistent basis. You know, those are some drawbacks I have, but until I see that they're not going to get it done, I believe they're going to get it done. The pros, that's why they're here. Um, yeah, I figure. I think it was thirty-four twenty-seven, is what I said. I, you know, I, I still think it's going to be high scoring, all obviously depending on the weather, of course. Um, but you know, I feel it's going to you know go the Browns' way here. And look, it'll be a nice two-week process if this can happen here. The team can get some rest. Uh, they can breathe. They can you know basically pat themselves on the back for what has been done thus far. And then you're talking about you know possibly in week ten, Wyatt Teller, Nick Chubb, getting some guys back. Not to mention you know what a little time off. Will do for a JC Treader. Miles Garrett certainly, uh, you know, probably would be due for a Rip Van Winkle nap 
if this team could be six and two and just absolutely, you know, enjoy the bye week, rest on the bye week, get right, you know, for what's going to be a big stretch of eight games to close out this 2020 season. He is Pete Smith, uh, Browns Digest on SI.com. Uh, tons of great stuff over there day in, day out from Pete and his team. Uh, just continuing to pump out great content. Make sure you're checking that out. At underscore Pete Smith underscore. Make sure you're following Pete. The show itself, at Lockdown Browns. Uh, follow back account. DMs are always open, as you guys know. Um, best way to communicate with everybody, you know, get ideas for the show, things of that nature. I do my best to try to return each and every one of them. Uh, same thing for me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. DMs open over there as well. You guys know that drill. iTunes, Spotify. Make sure you subscribe to five-star written reviews. I'm sorry, five-star ratings, written reviews. Big, big. Always help with the growth of the show, which has been on a nice upswing here. Obviously, the Browns' success and the fact that you know we are daily, five days a week, day in, day out. During the week, you got Lockdown Browns along with you for your car ride or whether it's sitting at your desk at work or for anybody who's trapped home when you're looking for a little bit of 30 to 40 minutes of sanity. Not that we're going to provide it, but maybe you get your sanity through our insanity. This has been your daily delivery of all things to all count. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.